on, press the mute button. Well, yeah. I thought it was Steve was going to say that, but it was Bruce. Ah, good. That's what happens when you, when you hang out with people. You pick up their... You pick up their habits. <clears throat> this has been one of those weeks when there's been so much happening. There's so many things happening that I just haven't had much headspace this week. And it got to Friday um, and I'm like, oh, I don't have really anything for Sunday yet. And I managed, um, I just had a verse of scripture in Psalm 24 that just kept kind of reverberating in my spirit all week. But just because that reverberates in my spirit doesn't mean that's something to speak about. It might mean something else. I've learned to learn to wait upon the Lord and to see what, that, what he's speaking about. But then yesterday morning, there was this thing that just dropped in my spirit, and I want to share with you today. Because, you know, we've, we live in challenging times, don't we? Hands up who's been going through some trials or had trials over the last few months or whatever. Isn't it amazing? Just look around you. Just keep your hand up and then look around you. Look around you at... People that have been going through stuff. For all kinds of reasons why and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, people have been going through stuff. And I always say that if the enemy can't take you out, he'll try and wear you out. And that's why we've got to look to the Lord because our hope is in him. And, you know, as you walk around in today's society, you know, even amongst Christians, I see Christians with no hope. They go, oh, well, you know, this is just the way the world's heading and this is just what's going to happen and, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I go, you know what? I've got a hope in my spirit, you know? And I'll have hope if you don't have hope. And then you can come and partake of the hope that I have because I have a hope in my spirit that there is a move of God that is coming. I have a hope in my spirit that we aren't going through stuff that we aren't going through for the sake of it, but we are going through stuff because God is working in us so, so that we can... Um, the holy habitations of what he wants to do. Amen? So I want to speak to you this morning about prepare for the glory of the Lord. So Lord, we want to thank you for your spirit at work in us. And Lord, we submit to you because Lord, we know that you are good. We know that you are kind. We know that you are faithful. And Lord, we want to thank you today that we can submit to you, we can, we can trust, we can trust in you with all our heart because you are so good. So we ask by your spirit that you would encourage us, that you would speak to us, that you would build us up in the most holy faith, that we could be people of your glory, that we could be people of hope, that we could be a people of your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man. So I was sitting in my lounge room yesterday and I was just sitting in the weighty presence of God. I couldn't really say too much. In fact, I'm feeling it again. I want to bring a word to you today, but I don't want to bring it as a pastor. I don't want to bring it as a teacher. I'm certainly not bringing it as a theologian. I want to bring this word to you today as a worshipper. And I want to hear, I want you to hear it from the heart of a worshipper. Is that okay? Hands up who wants to be part of a people that worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is worthy, amen. Ho. Oh. This could take a while to get through, maybe. For years, ever since the Lord really revealed himself to me, I was brought up in church, I was brought up in the Presbyterian church. We, we, uh, we became Baptist pastors, went through Baptist Bible College, ordained pastors. When we got married, and some of you have heard this story, and I apologize for that. When we got married, we were part of the Presbyterian Church still at that time. 
But we looked at each other as husband and wife and we said, there has to be more to it than this, otherwise what's the point? It wasn't speaking against what was happening or not happening. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just talking about our journey. There was something that we just hadn't yet had a revelation of that we needed a revelation of. Amen? Has anyone ever been there? That you, know, that you knew about God? That you knew verses of Scripture? You knew stuff, but there was still something that wasn't quite revealed to you? That's where we were coming from. We said, Lord, there has to be more to it than this. And, you know, he met us at that point. And when people are going through stuff, or when you've got a cry of your heart, my, my wisdom that I give to you is that God is for you. He's not against you. And if you pray a genuine prayer like that, he will answer it. And we said, God, we just need to know you. And he took us on that journey. And ever since that day, there's been a stirring in my spirit that has hungered for more. And it doesn't matter where we are, it doesn't matter what, what is happening around us, there's something in me that keeps hungering for more because I know that there is more. There is more of God to know. There is more revelation. There's more of His presence. There's more of His glory. There's more of His love. There's more of His fire. There's more of His peace. There's more of His joy. There's more of His hope. He is so big and He is infinite. There is so much. There's more. But I guess if I can narrow it down a bit today, I've hungered for a true manifestation of the presence and the glory of God. You could put a word revival on it. You could put a word of something else on it. But in reality, it's been a hunger for a true manifestation of the presence and the glory of God. Is there anyone else that would say amen to that? That's why I can't use the word revival cheaply. I see on Facebook all the time, oh, we have a revival meeting. We have a, this revival. I'm going, no, that's... A revival is such, an, such a manifestation of God's glory and presence that people are changed. In fact, cities are changed. Even nations can be changed. That is what I call revival. Yes, it starts, in, it starts with us because what, what is dead needs to be brought alive again. But the overflow is to see a city changed, not just to have some good meetings, Amen. Please hear my heart in that. I read the Psalms. And I'm going to try not to read all the Psalms today. And I read the Psalms. And particularly David's Psalms, but not just, not just David's, Sons of Korah, other, other Psalms as well. But I read the Psalms in just a couple of verses because I want you to hear where this is coming from. You know, when... You know, the Lord said to David in Psalm 27, 8, well, let's just read the first verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? That's a good one to stand on right now, hey? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? And in verse 8, when you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face I will seek. If someone said, Tim, what's your life verse? I reckon it would be that one. I really do. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face I will seek. <laughs> we could turn to Psalm 42. As the deer longs for the flowing streams, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for you. I thirst for the living God. Verse 7 says, Deep calls to deep in the roar of, the of your waterfalls, and your breakers and your billows have swept over me. Oh man, I love that. This vision of you just wading into the water, deep calls unto deep. You, you are, you're wading into the, the deeper places of God and the waterfall is rushing over you and the waves are just crashing over you. It's just crashing over you, but there's something in your heart that says, I'm just going to keep wading out because deep calls unto deep. Aren't they beautiful verses? 
We could look at, what else did I write down? See, I told you, I won't take, I won't read the whole Psalms. Psalm 63, God, you are my God, I eagerly seek you. Elsewhere, David says, early in the morning, I rise. Hands up, who's that eager? (laughs) I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a dry land that is desolate and without water. What kind of desperation is that, amen? If you were in a land that is dry and desolate and there is no water, how desperate would you become? That's the kind of heart that David had for the Lord. He was desperate for God. He was desperate. I love in verse 8, one of my favourites, my soul follows hard after you as your right hand upholds me. My soul follows hard after you. I don't know about you, but I just have this vision and, you know, please forgive me. If it's, you know, whatever, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is, I have this vision of, Gay, of David being so tenacious. My soul follows hard after you, so intent, so full of purpose. And, you know, so many Christians around, around the Western world, particularly because of the level of comfort that we live in, are just meandering and wandering through life. Where is the intent? Where is the purpose of one like David who had a heart after God and says, Lord, my soul follows hard after you? Oh, nothing else mattered. And we, we know nothing else mattered to David because when he realized that he had sinned against the Lord, he didn't say, Lord, restore my kingdom and please help me in this and please save my reputation. And all. He didn't say any of that. What did he say? Lord, do not, take your, do not cast me from your presence or take your spirit from me. That showed the heart of David. Because when people are confronted with stuff, most people say, oh, Lord, save my reputation. Or please, I don't want to lose this. Or please, I don't want to lose that. He was only concerned about the presence and glory of God in his life. That is it. More that we would be a people that would be like that, that our hearts would be so you know, directed towards God, that that would be our cry. Psalm 84. That was the last one I was just going to touch on. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord my God. I long and I yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God. Amen. Don't you love just reading through the Psalms? Are we going okay today? So it's really my prayer that you would receive this from the heart of a worshipper. Because the Lord has more for us and He wants to lead us into the more. Amen? So let's, I'm just going to read a couple of verses and we're just going to chat a bit this morning because as I said, I just feel that's the way that I'm coming today. And my prayer is that you would receive revelation but that you would also receive encouragement. That you would receive such hope with what God is doing and about to do. Amen? One of the saddest verses in Scripture from my perspective, is found in 1 Samuel 4. I'll read from verse 19. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and was about to give birth. And when she'd heard the news about the capture of God's ark and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband, she collapsed and gave birth because her labor pains come on her, came on her. And as she was dying, the woman taking care of her said, Do not be afraid, you have given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the ark of God and to the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. The glory has departed from Israel, she said, because the ark of God has been captured. That's what the meaning of Ichabod is. The glory has departed. Where is the glory? That is one of the saddest verses in Scripture from my perspective. And it came, it came on the back of chapter 3. Funny that, isn't it? 
that chapter 4 comes on the back of chapter 3. It says in verse 13, I'm not going to get into the whole story because otherwise we'll be here for a long time. This is the Lord saying to Samuel about what he was going to do with the house of Eli because of this. I told him that I'm going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God and he has not stopped them. You see, the glory of God departed because of the iniquity that was in the house of Eli. That's the context. And the reason that it's sad, it's so sad, is because the manifest presence or the manifested glory of God was always meant to be with His people. Yes? Was always meant to be with His people. Moses, re Moses realized this. In Exodus, when Moses was having his time with the Lord, and the Lord had said to them, because the people had rebelled, they'd built the golden calf, yep, they'd made an idol, and the Lord said, that's it, I'm just going to wipe them out, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you, Moses. You see, Moses had a heart after God, because what was Moses' response? He goes, no, 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 Lord, we are your people. You see, he didn't have it. There was, there was no selfishness in him. Oh, that sounds pretty good. They're going to make a nation out of me. Wow. No, no, no. He said, no, no, Lord, these are your people. And so the Lord said, okay, but I'm going to send my angel ahead of you. I'm not, I'm, I am not going to go with you, but I'm going to send my angel. You see, even when stuff happens, the Lord is always our protector. He is always our protector, amen. He was sending the people through, but he had his angel with him. He is always our protector. But Moses was like, no, Lord. In Exodus 33, he said, no, Lord. He said, you have told me to lead these people. And you have said that I know you by name and, and that I have found favor with you. Now, if I've found favor with you, please teach me your ways and I will know you more. Now, consider that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses kept... I don't know whether, like, in that moment, Moses just missed it because the Lord said, my presence will go with you. Because the Lord says again, oh, sorry, Moses says again, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favour with you unless you go with us? I and your people will, uh, how will I and your people de be de distinguished from all the other people on the face of the earth? So what he was saying was that it is the presence and the glory of God that, that distinguishes the people of God from all the other people on the face of the earth. Amen? It is not just good works. It is not just good deeds. It is the presence and it is the glory of God that distinguishes us from all the other people on the face of the earth. So when the Ark of the Covenant, when the glory had departed from the people, what distinguished them? His glory is always meant to be. His presence always meant to be with us. But you know, sometimes in our life, and we see this in Scripture, but we see this in the history of the nations, don't we? That sometimes hearts go wandering. Your heart is... People's hearts wander. We see it in, throughout history under the Old Covenant that people's hearts would go wandering and that God would send a prophet to them and they'd get a revelation and they would turn back to God. Yep. It hasn't really changed much over the last 2,000 years. Has it? We're, you know, we're, we're walking with God and you get like really encouraged and things are happening and then you, all of a sudden you just start living life. And before you know it, you've lost your first love. It can happen in a marriage. It can happen in any relationship. You lose your first love and before you know it, you go, well, how did that happen? It's been happening gradually over a period of time and before you know it, all of a sudden you're miles apart. It's like someone said to me that if a plane was one degree off its course, 
you'd probably be able to see this since you're a pilot. If a plane is one degree off its course, as it takes off the runway, you wouldn't even know that it's off course, would you? But what happens when you go to find your place you're meant to land? How far are you going to be? You see, it's just bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. And before you know it, you've lost your first love. And I think in the midst of everything that is happening at this time, that God is, God is getting the attention of his people. This is just a general comment that says, you know, you've lost your first love. You've, your hearts have wandered from me. You're not intent on seeking me. You're just, living, you're just living life. But now is the time to return to me. Is there an amen in there anywhere? Otherwise, I'm feeling like I'm all out here on my own. Come on. Sometimes we need awakening, don't we? Sometimes it's easy to point the finger at someone else. Sorry, Kathy. Rather than go, God, I need you in my life more. I realize that I am not where I once was. I realize, remember the height from which I've fallen. Like I, like I remember, oh man, God, renew in me a passion for you. Breathe on the coals of my heart, God. Let the fire burn. You know the key to revival? Someone shared it a few hundred years ago. Draw a circle of chalk and stand in the middle of it and say, God, revive everything that is in this circle. Because so often we look at this, 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 and this, and it goes, you know what, it starts right here. We need to be a people that set the example, don't we? Rather than go, well, why aren't they doing this? And why isn't that happening? And how come this is not happening? They're, they are out there everywhere. Social media prophets, I call them. Or, well, no, anyway, I won't tell you what I call them sometimes. It starts in here. Each and every one of us. It's so easy to point the finger and accuse and stuff, but it starts in here. God, renew in me a passion for you. Maybe we need to pray that. Maybe, you know what? I mean, I'm not forcing you to pray that because that doesn't work. But if there's a genuous in there, God, renew in me a passion for you. Breathe on the coals of my heart. Let the fire burn. That is a word to a song, but you can still pray that. I believe that God is preparing his people. We see it in scripture. I'm not going to read all these, these, these uh, chapters because we'll be here for a long time. In, in Isaiah 40, we see, you know, prepare a way for the Lord. Amen? Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain will be laid low. Every rough ground will uh, be made smooth. And the glory of the Lord will appear. We see it in Isaiah 40. We see it in Isaiah 58. We see it in, in Ezekiel 43. We see it in Zechariah 13. We see it in Malachi 3. That the Lord would make a way to work in the hearts of his people that the glory would appear. I was thinking about Hebrews 12. Are we going Okay. Okay, good. Malachi. Malachi is nearly three, yeah. On the 12th of the 12th. Speaking of 12th, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 12. Once more, he said, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. And this expression, yet, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken. Sometimes, you know what, we need to go through a bit of a shaking to remove the things that we didn't realize that we had or that we needed. Yeah? We just need to get back to the heart of worship. We just need to get back to Jesus. We just need to get back to the grace of God. We just need to get back to these things. And we, sometimes we need to go through a shaking to, to, to remove this stuff. Amen? Therefore, we, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Man, we should have absolute encouragement from that verse of Scripture. When everything around us is being shaken, we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Is there an amen? So let us be thankful. Woo! Hands up who wants to be thankful. Come on. May we worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Isn't that it? That we would get a fresh revelation of who God is 
and that we would worship Him acceptably with reverence and awe. I was listening to um, Michael W. Smith doing some stuff in America and they had these, all these people singing and they were just singing, they were standing there, our God is an awesome God who reigns from heaven and above with wisdom, power and love, our God is an awesome God. And they just kept singing it. It wasn't a rote thing, it wasn't like, oh, what's the time now? What, why are we still singing this same line? Like, why are we doing this, you know? It's like, no, 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 it's our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Yes, Lord, our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Yeah. Who? Sometimes we just need to redirect our thoughts back to Him, to the one who is worthy. That's what it is. When there's a shaking happening around you, you don't look at the shaking. You don't look at that stuff that's happening. You look to Jesus. And all of a sudden, you don't realize the stuff that's being shaken because you're a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the battle, you start to worship Him acceptably with reverence and awe, for He is an all-consuming fire. Oh, so felt that. <laughs> but isn't that what it is? This is what God is saying to us. Will you put your thoughts on me? Will you put your attention on me? I've called you to be salt. I've called you to be a light. I've called you to be in my aroma when everything around you is crumbling. I want you to stand on me. You can't do it in your own strength. I'm not talking about try-hard Christianity. I'm talking about the grace of God that has given you everything you need for life and godliness. That's what I'm talking about. And sometimes some things need to be removed from us. And sometimes they're internal. Do you, do you get what I mean by that? You're carrying unforgiveness or you're carrying offense or you're carrying stuff. Sometimes you're carrying a spirit of judgment or criticism. You carry stuff and God just goes, no, no, that needs to be removed. Because if you're going to be carriers of my glory, uh-uh, that's all got to go. That's all got to go. You know, the verse of Scripture that I've been sitting with the Lord all week and I was going, well, just because I have that verse doesn't mean that I'm meant to share on it. But it all came back to it. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Psalm 24. Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. The clean hands speak about how you live. What are you carrying? How you're living. The pure heart speaks of your worship towards God. That He is the one. So it's the way that we live and it's our heart. Because out of, because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks anyway, doesn't it? And it says, Who has not appeared to what is false, and who is not sworn deceitfully. You see, deceit, deception has no part in the kingdom of God. We are called to be a people of integrity, authenticity. If you don't know what authenticity means, because it's a big word even for me, is that you are real. That's what it means. Be real. 
So if you walk in the door and you go, how are you going today? Don't say, I'm good, thanks. You go, you know what, I've had a shocking week. And then people get around and pray and love you. God, we just want to speak peace into Kathy. That migraine that's seeking to come upon her, we just remove it in Jesus' name. All stress, worry, causes, effects be gone now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We call forth the peace of God that would guard her heart and her mind in Jesus' name. And we speak joy and we speak hope to go with that peace. Oh, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. All tension lift off in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All effects of the week lift off in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Authenticity is being real. And transparency. Transparency is so important. You know why transparency is so important? Because it is only in darkness that the enemy can work. Have you thought about that? So if you are not being transparent, it gives the enemy access. That's why it says to walk in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another. Amen? didn't say walk around in, in darkness. Walk around in the light. And Paul actually says to the church in Rome, he says, put on the armour of light, which is really important because the light, walking around in light or transparency is actually part of our armour, not the armour that's mentioned in Ephesians, but nevertheless, it's part of our armour. Why? Because we put, armor, we, we put on the armour of light and all of a sudden the enemy has no access. So if me and Rod had a, Lord had, had a disagreement with each other, not that we have, God forbid, bless you, brother, but if there was something, the best thing I can do is actually go and go, Rod, we just need to sort this thing out. We just need to talk about it. Now. <laughs> because it gives the enemy no access to cause division between me and Rod. But, but what happens is that Christians too often still there's an issue and they walk away and they go, oh, Rod, man. And then Monday comes and they go, oh, that Rod. And then Tuesday comes and they ring up Sal and they go, you know what that Rod did to me? You know, and by Wednesday, by Wednesday, Sal now doesn't like Rod because now Sal has an issue against Rod and it just keeps going. We kind of laugh and I cut off that in Jesus' name because Rod is a mighty man of God. But how true is it? Have you ever had that happen to you? Someone's come to you and spoken about someone else behind their back and they're trying to bring you into the whole scenario? Have nothing to do with it. Put on the armour of light. Fellowship, have nothing to do with it. And if anything needs to be sorted out, get sorted out. This is the kind of heart stuff that God is wanting to deal with so that we can be carriers of his glory, that we will not taint his glory. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. The glory of the Lord departed under the old covenant. Yes, I understand this. Because there was undealt with issues in the house that would not be dealt with. And God said, you know what? I just got to... I can't have anything to do with that. And sometimes we carry stuff around in our hearts. God doesn't take his Holy Spirit from us. But we, we just we have that sense of he's not near. I'm not, I'm not feeling God like I used to feel God. I'm not in that secret place. I'm not in that intimate place. What is, what is going on? God in the midst of it is wanting us to deal with heart issues that need to be dealt with. Because it goes on to say in Psalm 24, these people will receive blessing from the Lord. Remember where there's unity, he commands a blessing, amen? Unity, what is unity? There's a deep heart connection with one another. That's what it is. Where there's unity, he commands a blessing. We don't have to ask for Bundaberg to be blessed. We just walk in it because there's unity. That's why the enemy fights tooth and nail to stop unity. These people that have clean hands and a pure heart says that they receive blessing from the Lord. You're walking with a heart before God. Remember, worship is not about just a song that we sing. Worship is about the position of our hearts that we recognize who he is and who we are before him. And so whether you're washing the dishes or whether, whether you're at work on a Monday or whether you're singing a song, 
your heart is positioned towards him. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of God. Sila. Pause and reflect. Lift up your, lift up your heads, you gates. Lift up, you uh, ancient doors, that the King of glory will enter in. Who is this King of glory? Do we need to remind ourselves? Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. I guess in a short, I guess what I, when I was sitting in my lounge room yesterday and I, and I was praying into some stuff and I, and I saw the shaking and I saw people that had been going through stuff. In the midst of it, our, our response needs to be to turn to Jesus, to not be focused upon the things of this world, not like Peter who looked at the waves and the wind and started to sink, but rather we fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And what you behold, you become. So when you look at Jesus, if you're holding unforgiveness, it's got to go from your heart. If you're holding um, a bitterness or offence or whatever it is. As you look to Jesus, it's got to go because nothing like that can remain in His presence. God is preparing a people who walk with clean hands and a pure heart for His glory. Because you know what? The world may get darker. But you know what? The Lord is preparing a father is preparing a bride for his son who is dressed in fine white linen which stands for the righteous acts of the saints. It's fine. It's white. It's not stained. It's not dirty. It's not, oh, yeah, I'm just going to find what I can get to put on. No, no, no. It is a preparation as a bride is prepared for her wedding day. The father is preparing a bride for his son because things may get darker in one way but the other things are going to get brighter. I want to just reinforce this morning, just so you don't get the wrong picture. I'm not talking about try harder Christianity. I'm not talking about the law. I'm talking about the grace of God that has appeared to us in Jesus Christ, who changes us from the inside out. And as we come before Him, and as we seek His face, things start to change in our lives, and we are transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory. I don't know about you, but the things that I've been praying for for 25 years, I want to see. I haven't come this far to just go and sit on a park bench. I look at the letters of Paul. Paul was confident. Paul was bold. Paul knew what he knew. And God is looking for a people that will rise up and be those people. The last few weeks, we've, we've uh, been talking about the Lord assembling a people, that he's, that he's bringing people together like living stones, amen, to be part of his end-time purpose, to be part of his end-time army. The different gifts and the different perspectives and the diversity of gifts coming together to sing the song of the Lord like a beautiful symphony orchestra, coming together, to each one to play their part to sing the song of the Lord. And more than ever, Australia needs to hear the song of the Lord. But it doesn't need us to sing the song of the Lord on a Sunday and then walk out and hold unforgiveness on a Monday. Maybe if I could say that. It needs us to be, you know what, I am Monday who I am Sunday. And if I recognize in myself that there's something not right, we are amongst a people who love, accept, pray, stand with you, breakthrough, deliverance, healing, all that stuff in Jesus' name. That's what we do. And you can come aside to your secret place and say, God, I just need you. Is that okay? Should we keep going? No, just kidding. Oh, there's some other stuff there, but I don't think we need to go there. Not feeling that part. Who loves Jesus? Who recognises they need more? 
See, that's why we're here. Well, not just here. This is why we're together. Because there's something in us that says, you know what, I actually believe what I read in Scripture. I look at the book of Acts after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the glory of God, the presence of God was manifesting that, you know, people were cut to the heart. And they said, what must I do to be saved? We see great miracles throughout the book of Acts that people didn't even have to say stuff. People actually just ran to them and said, what must I do to be saved? And I go, man, I need more of your presence, God. I need more. I need more. I read the book of Acts and I see that every day people were being added to the Lord, those who were being saved. Uh, people being added to the church. I, I read that there were countless, countless miracles and signs and wonders. I see that people were living life together. I see that people were sharing with each other. Every possession that they had was not their own anymore. All of a sudden it, it uh, belonged. It's like, how can I help you? I've got too much of this, so I need to help you. And everyone was contributing. Everyone was sowing. Everyone was a part of that. You know what? The presence and the glory of God was right there. And sometimes the presence and the glory of God can bring you interesting situations. Peter and John were out there preaching in the name of Jesus, and guess what? They got, they got brought before the Sanhedrin. Don't you do that anymore. Don't you speak anymore in the name of that Jesus. See, sometimes when you're carriers of the glory, it gets you into trouble with man. A lot. But you know what? They kept preaching in the name of Jesus. And the church gathered together. We've, we've looked at that passage. They lifted up the name of Jesus. And they were, the place was shaken. God says, I'm shaking this. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all spoke the word of God boldly. Come on. That's the way they dealt with stuff. They dealt with it in prayer. They dealt with it. God moved. Why? Because his presence and glory were manifesting. Yeah, I'm not going to go on anymore. That's, a, that's, that's me done. Let me just close with this. 1 Peter 1. It says, actually, I'll turn there. 1 Peter 1. Therefore, uh, verse 13. Therefore, with your minds, be ready for action. Be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace that has been brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? As obedient children, do not conform to, to the desires of your former self, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all things, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Through the grace of God has been revealed in Jesus Christ, we can be holy. that we would live with clean hands and a pure heart. Amen. This is the heart of the new covenant. He said, I'm going to remove your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I'm going to move you. Hands up who's felt the moving of the Holy Spirit, the impulses of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be more accustomed to the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And the more you draw, the more you uh, abide in His presence, the more the more receptive you are to the impulses of His Spirit. Even down to the fact that I can walk away and I can have a conversation with Martin, and by the time I get home today, if it wasn't quite right or I think he misinterpreted what I said, I would have to text him to make sure that it was okay. That is the impulse of the Spirit. God is wanting to bring us deeper that we live according to the impulses of the Spirit. Is there an amen? You've got, does it fit? Oh, it does fit. Okay. Sorry, we're just talking on the run here. Debbie, uh, Debbie had a, oh, that's gone flat. Hang on. Debbie had a, uh, um, a vision, was it? A vision? And she wanted to share it. So let's share that and we'll see what... It's not as loud as the other one, so you have to take okay. it Okay, I'm yep. sure everyone will hear me. I have a loud voice. 
Okay, just everything that's happened this morning, everything that Tim's preached, everything in worship just connected so much in what I was seeing last week. It was just phenomenal. So during worship last week, I saw a huge high-coloured cliff that had beautiful colours like in the Kimberleys, you know, all the beautiful reds and the yellows and the browns. And at the top of the cliff was a brilliant light and people at the top were looking down. At the base of the cliff was a pitch black chasm that I could not see into. There were people in the dark chasm calling out for help. The people from the top were throwing over these thick long ropes like the ones that are on large boats that tie up to the dock. And I could see that these ropes were representing hope. And the people in the dark were grabbing this hope and climbing upwards. As they were climbing upwards, they kept their eyes on the light above and they were asking for forgiveness. Burdens were falling off them as they were climbing and their troubled faces turned into excited anticipation. The people at the top were calling to them. As they were pulling the people up, they kept saying loudly, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. As they were calling on Jesus, they motivated and encouraged the people to come from the darkness into the light. When we sang, then we started singing that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. There the people were so desperate for Jesus that they climbed the rope so quickly, not looking to the left or to the right. And when they reached the top, they were calling for others to come up quickly and to help pull them up. Some people were distracted along the way and started to swing sideways on the rope, like rock climbers do when they're getting around difficult spots. I could see these people taking their eyes off Jesus and thinking they could find a better path for themselves. They wanted to explore and do it their way. Some others got halfway up and became overcome, weary and felt they could not carry on. I could see the helpers climb over the top of the cliff and make their way down to encourage and help those people up. These helpers represented God's saints and he placed that he places along our way on our path to encourage and carry us through our difficult times. Rosaline and I have recently been working on a repentance pamphlet and all the while I was seeing this vision, I was reflecting on the fact that God pursues us. I was reflecting over the scripture, John 6:44, where it says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. It always impacts me that this amazing God wanted me. And pursued me so that I could have a relationship with him. God wants to forgive us. But first we have to repent. And it is this submission that takes us from the darkness of sin and into the light. God has made a way for us out of the darkness and into the light through the blood of Jesus, our hope. Keep your eyes on Jesus and keep heading in his direction. He is there for us. We only need to call out to him and he will come to our aid. If you feel that you're in a dark chasm, unforgiveness, depression or heaviness with no end, call out to Jesus and he will help you. He has already sent his rope of hope over to help you out of that place of darkness. If you need to get help up that rope, just ask and he will send helpers. Just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and he will rescue you. Amen. So let's, uh, so let's come to the Lord, hey. For those that have been going through some things, I just want to encourage you, as has already just been said, to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And if there's anything that needs to go, that it would be gone. But know this, that there is hope. The enemy wants to keep our heads down. But the Word of God says that He is our glory and the lifter of our head. And He lifts our head so that we can see. We can see Him and we can see what He has. Amen. So we would say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. 
We say, Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts and lives more because we want to be carriers. Lord, of the greater things that you have, we want to be a people of your presence. We want to be a people of your glory, oh God. Lord, we thank you for what you've been doing, God, but we know there are greater things because the glory of the latter house is greater than the glory of the former. If Moses came down the mountain and his face had to be hid because it was so bright, how much, how much more glorious is the glory of the new covenant? God, we stand today and say, Lord, forgive us where we've settled for less, where, we, where we've settled for lukewarmness, where we've settled for mediocrity, where we've settled where our hearts have wandered away, God. Lord, we say, Lord, renew in us a passion for you. Breathe breathe on the coals of our heart and let the fires burn, God. May we be open to the impulses of your Spirit, O God, that we would walk in integrity, we would walk with uh, authenticity, and we would walk with transparency. God, I thank you that you are leading us into greater things. And so for those that are feeling discouraged today, I speak hope in Jesus' name. I speak faith in Jesus' name. That there is greater things that God is bringing you through what you've been through into greater things. And we will hear testimonies of, look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. We are not a people of fear, but we are a people of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen. A sound mind in Jesus' name. A sound mind. And so today we come and we lay our lives at the feet of Jesus afresh, knowing that we are starting new beginnings and we are going forth into greater things. I can feel it in my spirit. Where the enemy has tried to divide and discourage and deceive, everything will be brought down that we would see Jesus and that we would see one another through the eyes of Jesus and that we would see our future through the eyes of Jesus. Amen. Oh, I forgot to mention before that tonight is a night of worship. It is an open night of worship where we come and worship. What a great place to come and be renewed and refreshed. Amen. What a great place to let the prophetic just flow and words of encouragement and strengthening to be built up. People would be built up. What a great place. If you feel like that you're just going through the ho-hums, I want to encourage you to come and be ready for what God wants to do in your heart and life. Jesus. We have the prayer team available to pray for you whether that's for healing, whether that's for a word of encouragement, whatever it would be, they are here and ready and willing.